episode of season one we did it we decided 10 episodes we're doing 10 episodes no more prolonging the inevitable but we're ending in how we started it with ava lopez and she in this paper is doing what we've talked about over the course of this season that we really like you know she's she's deep diving she's got air tanks and flippers and goggles on and just going deep into this finger strength rabbit hole. Um, this time taking findings from her previous paper and comparing them further. I love it. I'm, I'm actually feeling a little bit nostalgic here already. How about you? Yeah. Likewise. Time is a flat circle. We're back where it all began. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I love it. This has been a lot of fun. All right, the paper today, um, comparison of the effects of three hangboard strength and endurance training programs on grip endurance in sport climbers. Authors, Ava Lopez Rivera and Juan Jose Gonzalez Badillo, the Journal of Human Kinetics, 2019. And the aim of this study was to compare the effects of three eight-week finger training programs using dead hangs, uh, a maximal, intermittent, and a combination of the two, on grip endurance. I love it, man. I love the deep dive. I love it when science works how it's supposed to. Yes, science! Yeah, and as we go through it, you know, there's going to be a lot of similarities between the two papers, you know, the episode one paper and this. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a really good representation of how a lot of research is done where they just tweak a few things, just tweak a few variables, keep tinkering, keep tinkering. But a lot of the bones are the same. So, and it's cool to see the process, you know, and things move forward. Yeah. Damn it. This makes me happy. All <laughs> right. Uh, let's jump into this thing. You clearly don't know who you're talking to. So let me clue you in. I'm Paul Corsaro. I'm Chris Hampton. Look, you two guys are just guys. Okay. And you're listening to Breaking Beta. Where we explore and explain the science of climbing. Our skills, you'll earn more than you ever would on your own. We've got work to do. Are you ready? 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 I am indeed. We're here. Are you ready? I'm not ready for it to end necessarily, though I could use a break from reading research papers. <laughs> so, um, so, yes, I am ready. And uh, for the last time in season one, Paul, why don't you take us through the methods? In a scenario like this, I don't suppose it is bad form to just flip a coin. Alrighty. So they started out with 38 participants, 32 male and six female. Um, they ended up having 26 total participants because 12 participants did drop out of the study due to illness, personal issues, and other commitments. When I first read that sentence, I first thought it said 12 participants dropped out just because of illness. And I was like, Jesus, that is some bad yeah. luck. But yeah, no it looks doubt. like a combination of things. But So all of the participants had at least two years of climbing experience, climbed uh, the minimum level of 7A, which is 11D-ish. Um, it looked like the mean was around 13A or so mm -hmm. for uh, ability level. Um, they had not used dead hangs in the four months preceding the study, which again, 
I thought was a great way of just controlling for the novel training effect for if some people had it and some people had. Yeah, it's smart, um, but it surprises me that they found that many people who hadn't done dead hangs in 2019. Um, I mean, I could see it. I this so uh, this season was the first time I've used a hangboard in two years, so I bet they're out there. And I used to be, you know, always hangboarding. So you know, I'm sure they found people in positions that just hadn't used it or climbing outside or just doing other training. So. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And apparently hangboarding made 12 of the people sick. So <laughs> that's, that's what we're taking from the study. <laughs> hangboarding makes you sick. <laughs> oh man. But okay. So anyway, so moving on. So they started out, they were put into three groups. There was a max hang group, which performed 10 second hangs with added weight. There was the intermittent hangs group that did a repeater protocol of sorts that I'll get into in a second. And then there was a max int group where they did max hangs or wait, is that right? Max hangs and then went into inter- intermittent hangs. Yeah. So in, in her first study, what they discovered was that the, and at the time they were calling it mall and med max added weight, minimum edge depth. Um, so the group one, which is the max hang group did the mall to med. Mm-hmm, that's right. Um, four weeks of mall, four weeks of med. And then the, the int hangs did intermittent hangs, essentially a repeater protocol for the entire eight weeks. Mm-hmm. And then one group did max added weight followed by intermittent hangs. Took me a while to understand all that because of the different nomenclature that's used, the max hangs versus mall and med. That confused me a little bit at first. Yeah, right. So the max hangs was, yeah, maximal dead hangs with added weight. And then they did... Maximal hangs on the minimum edge. Yep. Okay, cool. Right. We got there. Yeah. I See, I needed to read it again too, apparently. But anyways, so they this was a eight weeks of training with testing at the beginning and then testing at week zero, week five, and week nine. So they tested before, did a four-week block, tested on week five, did another four-week block, and then tested again. So they didn't look at the detraining effect as heavily it looked like on this one. Right, right. But, Interesting, uh, I think. So the testing was very similar to the last paper. So they used an 11 millimeter edge for the endurance testing, held the edge as long as they could until their shoulders extended, knees flexed, or they lost contact with the edge. The more I think about that as a cutoff point for testing, I actually really do like it. When you start just kind of doing whatever you can to hold on, it's a good control, I think. Yeah, I kind of like that. And then they did the uh, maximal strength testing on the 15 millimeter edge for five seconds. And they took these uh, measures and would look at the endurance one after the fact. Uh, for the programs, for the max hangs to minimal edge, they did the uh, a 10 second hangs, leaving about three seconds in reserve and adjusting to kind of stay within that subjective difficulty measure. Mm-hmm. Uh, the intermittent hangs were where they did the repeater protocol of sorts. So they started out with uh, four reps of 10 seconds on, five seconds off. That was a set. Uh, they started with three sets and moved, added a uh, set for week two. And then, so it started with three sets, then went to four sets and then five sets for the last two weeks of the first block. Yep. Uh, on the second four week block for the group that did the intermittent hang protocol twice for two blocks, they did five reps. So instead of 10 seconds on five seconds off times four for a set, it was 10 seconds on, on five seconds off times five for a set in that second four weeks. So that's kind of how they progressed some of the work there. Um, and then, so that was, so we had those two groups and then one group did the, 
haven't got it here. Uh, the max hang protocol and then went into the intermittent hang protocol as well. So those are the three. Yeah. And during all of that, I think it's important to mention that um, the same as in her first study, uh, participants were climbing quite a bit um, during that testing. And, you know, I, I think it would be damn near impossible to find a, a group large enough to study that isn't also climbing at the same time. You know, it's why we're doing this and getting people to not climb for eight weeks while you're only hangboarding sounds like a study that's going to have no one in it. You would have a small sample size there for sure. Yeah. And they, you know, same as the first one, it says a typical climbing session included three to 10 sets of three to 90 move routes with levels of intensity from 70 to hundred percent of the climbing grade performance. And they did that six days a week uh, with Friday being the rest day and each session lasting one and a half to two hours. So quite a bit of climbing being done. And they were also climbing outside on the weekends. I think though, the whole, the whole plan was supervised and monitored by Ava. So I think there was, you know, there was some variability, but I think it was probably well controlled. Mm -hmm. I would say. Yeah. It wasn't like they were just go do whatever. And then we'll come back and train. I think there was some oversight there, which I think was good. Yep. Totally. Uh, I do like a lot actually that they, and uh, you know, again, this harkens back to what we like about science. Um, but I love that they're using the same testing edges. They're using the same um, edges to do the workout on and the same methods and everything that was used in that first study, the 11 millimeter for the endurance and the 15 millimeter for the strength. 235 M&M tube furnaces. It's MM, millimeter. Millimeter. I'm fluent in millimeters now. I love it. All right, let's take a quick commercial break and let's come back and look at the interesting results from this paper. Please. All right, I really need a break here, okay? Hey there, it's Lana again. Since we've already established that you're of the super nerd variety who's actually listening to Chris and Paul talk about science stuff, we've got something else we think you'll geek out about. Our new community forum and knowledge hub is an online meeting place for climbers and nerds like you. From community to training talk, philosophy, to yes, of course, even more science, you dweebs. Yes, science! Did we mention? It's not on Facebook anymore. So you can avoid the social media doom scroll and your aunt's nonstop posting of pictures of her dachshunds. Okay, but I actually love seeing those photos, so keep it up, Aunt Brenda. Those Halloweener costumes were on point. Plus, if you have any questions or want to suggest a paper for Chris and Paul to discuss, looking at you again, nerd cadets, it's the perfect place to get in touch with us. Okay, so you can find the forum at community.powercompanyclimbing.com or just follow the link in your show notes. See you there, nerds! So I'll go back to work, for Christ's sake, okay? All right, we are back from our quick commercial break, and um, let's take a, a quick look at the results on the endurance of sport climbers after these three different hang protocols. Whatever you, whatever you think is supposed to happen, I'm telling you, the exact reverse opposite of that is going to happen. I think that's actually partially true with this, uh, with this study, and we'll, we'll get to that eventually. But first, number one, the all intermittent hang group uh, that did intermittent hangs for the entire eight weeks showed the best endurance gains. And those were pretty big 
gains, 45% increase in their endurance test. Yep. And then another group that saw significant changes at eight weeks, not at four weeks, but at eight weeks was the max hang groups. That was that did the the group that did the four weeks of added weight hangs and then four weeks of minimum edge train. So in the previous paper, that was- Yeah, theirs was 34%. Yeah, which is significant for real. Yeah, that's, that's pretty damn big, especially considering they were using an all strength-based protocol Mm-hmm. Um, and seeing those kind of endurance gains. So that's really cool to see. It was interesting that there wasn't a significant jump in that first four weeks and then a big jump that back four weeks. I thought that was kind of interesting to see the interaction there. There's It's it's interesting at that four weeks, what is going on? I, yeah. I'd love to hear more about that. Surprisingly, the max hang to intermittent hang. So doing max added weight followed by intermittent hangs four weeks each didn't show a big increase in endurance. They did show an increase small, um, but did not so show a huge increase. And this could be due to several things, um, not least of which is that they, they were the highest testing in test number one. Mm-hmm. And then they had several people drop out. You know, this was the group most affected by the, the hangboard makes you sick. Um, so it's entirely possible that the remaining people in this group just had less room to see gains. You know, maybe they were the stronger of the group. We don't really know. Yeah, it's really interesting because, you know, like you're taking the added weight one, which was shown to be a very effective part of the protocol in the previous study. And then the intermittent hangs, which had the biggest increase when you did two chains of that. And when you blended them, you would think if the sum was not no. b- uh, bigger than all the parts there. So yeah, definitely. I think it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. I think I agree with the, uh, the fact that they had less runway to improve. That seems like a logical explanation for that. Cause if you look at it, so if you look at the means for the initial endurance test, the uh, max hang group was around 33 seconds. The intermittent hang group was where they did all the intermittent hangs was around 34 seconds. Mm-hmm. And the max weight into intermittent hang group, that was over 10 seconds more. It was 45 seconds was the mean. That's right. a pretty big difference between groups. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I think that has to be factored in. And that group ended up with the fewest participants. So, you know, statistically, because we've already mentioned a little bit, I'd love to, you know, have somebody on who can talk statistics in a, a more intelligent way. Um, but statistically, because of that small group, it, that might've been the reason the statistics just didn't bear out any big improvements. Yep. They did, they did find a significant relationship between their endurance test and climbing ability. And, and I think something that wasn't mentioned there that should be is that that's very specific to um, more advanced climbers climbing at a pretty high grade because the 11 mil is pretty small to Mm -hmm. test endurance on for, you know, a beginner intermediate climber. Um, so yeah. I like it as a test for a, a more advanced climber, maybe not for, a, you know, a beginner. Yep. Another thing that kind of threw me, um, there's, there's no strength test numbers mentioned anywhere mm-hmm. in this paper. It does show that they gathered the strength tests, you know, at the same time as they did the endurance tests. Mm-hmm. And it does mention a couple of times that, the intermittent hang group um, maintained their strength, but there's no strength numbers at all. And that, that I didn't quite understand. Oh, hey, guy, 
And I wish that I could see those, um, particularly for that intermittent group. Very much so. Because I think, you know, that also increased the strength. That'd be a interesting, very interesting thing to take away from it as well. Um, they did, if you go back to the aim of the study, they didn't really talk about grip strength as an aim as well there. So they were really right. just looking at endurance. So maybe that's why they didn't look at the grip strength test. But yeah, it is interesting because you would imagine that wouldn't take a whole lot of time. Right. You know? And I, I do, you know, I know that this group, um, Ava and other folks are working on other projects. So I hope that those numbers surface at some point and we're able to compare how the strength, how the strength looked from this study to the first one and just how that intermittent hang group, what happened with their strength. I would, mm -hmm. I would love to see that. Um, another result not mentioned in the paper, but that you can see in the tables is that every group saw gains in every block. Yep. Um, they might've been small, but they did see gains. And I think that's important. Yeah. Uh, what does this paper not say? What is close? There's no close in science, Barry. There are right answers and wrong answers. Yeah, but I'm just saying, Mr. White. How can this paper, we, we mentioned in episode one of this season that the, the first Ava Lopez paper is likely one of the most misinterpreted papers in all of climbing. How can this one be misinterpreted? I think one of them is that a four-week block of maximum added weight hangs followed by a four-week block of intermittent hangs is not effective. It does not say that. Right. Exactly. It does not. It says it didn't work for that group, mm -hmm. um, but that doesn't mean it wouldn't work for a relative, relatively beginner climber or intermediate climber. It just didn't work for those climbers. It, and that group was climbing above 13B. So, yeah. Um, Good one. Uh, it still doesn't tell you the best hang protocol. We still don't know. Um, you can't say, oh, if I want to gain endurance, the best way is doing all intermittent hangs. And you know why it doesn't tell you that what the best hang protocol is? It's because there just isn't one best protocol for everyone at all times. Booyah! Woo! <laughs> I think when we find it, that's when we need to just stop this series. No more seasons. No more seasons after that. We're done. <laughs> yeah. Breaking beta over. Yeah. Um, it also doesn't say that every climber will gain 45% more endurance from doing intermittent hangs. Yep. Very much so. You know, it's very, very easy to postulate that if Jonathan Segris did a bunch of intermittent hangs, he might not gain 45% more endurance. <laughs> yeah. I would bet money on that. Yeah. Let's take a look at how we would use this as coaches and as athletes. I got all these little pieces. Like, they're all part of the story, right? But they don't mean much on their own. But when you start telling me what you know, we start filling in the gaps. I'll have them in lockup before the sun goes down. You know, for me, one of the, the number one things here is that it validates using body weight repeaters. Um, on small edges, which I've heard takes some heat. There are a lot of a lot of people who really just live in this space of you always have to use big edges and added weight. Um, smaller edges at body weight aren't effective. Um, and I think this 
bears out that they are effective. I would love to see them compared to a weighted repeater mm-hmm. of some sort. Yeah. Um, I think it gives as coaches gives us a couple methods to kind of tinker with um, both. Mm-hmm. You know, we, the first paper we take away that max added weight protocol. Uh, we can start, you know, using that as a method to start with and tinker based on your, your athletes preferences, but you've got a, validated starting point. I think this gives us a validated starting point with some intermittent hangs or repeater protocols to play with. Yep. Um, I think the progression protocol from both these papers, the adding sets and keeping the reps the same for some, mm-hmm. and then also progressing reps, that gives us some information to play with. And I think it gives us a good general heuristic to start with, with programming, where if the goal is you want to bring strength along with endurance, maybe something more along the lines of combining repeaters and weighted hangs is the way to go. Or if, you know, you're in crunch time, you really need to bring up just this one limiting factor and that factor is endurance. Maybe you need to skew towards some more intermittent or repeater type hangs. Yeah. And I think we also have to take into account like the preferences of the climber or of the client. Um, You know, it's totally, totally normal to have a sport climber who's really nervous about just doing max hangs. Mm-hmm. I've heard a number of times, I'm only doing three hangs. That's not enough, mm-hmm. you know? And and I think this paper, I can then hand them and say, look, here here's some evidence that says not only are you going to gain strength doing these this max hang protocol, but your endurance is also going to go up pretty considerably. So mm-hmm. if you're already an endurance master, this might be the way to go. We're not going to lose endurance on it necessarily. We might even gain some, but we're also going to get stronger fingers based on this first paper that used this protocol. Um, so for me, that's a big win. And I'm going to just keep this in a folder that I can send to people whenever I hear that I'm not hanging enough bullshit. A hundred percent. Yeah. I think, you know, I think, you know, for this study, we, you can get a lot of actionable stuff out of it, you know? Yeah. Uh, another thing I thought about is, you know, the max to intermittent hang, the failure of that protocol to produce something in this paper um, or something significant could have been from some sort of fatigue Um, that, you know, built up by adding those two back to back. So I'll be sure to watch out for that. If that's something I'm using with, a an advanced climber. Yeah. Um, maybe, yeah. Add some extra deload weeks in the middle or just, just really monitor fatigue. We have all these methods now for auto regulation and totally, you know, subjective readiness and all that. So I think adding one of that into that just to control for fatigue might be interesting to see if we can get progress without blowing someone up fatigue wise and having them never be able to recover. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and finally from me, you know, consistently doing some sort of hanging, uh, for the win, you know, Mm -hmm. do it, do it a lot of the time. Doesn't mean you have to do it all the time. Um, but I think it's a big win if you can do some level of hanging because these climbers were climbing a lot, Mm -hmm. you know, They, they were doing a lot of training. Um, and and still seeing gains by adding in this hangboard. And what I love about these protocols in particular is that the volume is really not that high at all. Right. Like it's not a lot. And I love that. So it leaves us we're not hanging to the death every week and doing, you know, 45 hangs a week or something like that. So mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, totally. Uh question for you. You said 
you hadn't touched a hangboard in a couple of years. What's what's it look like moving forward for you after reading this paper and doing this whole season? Yeah, so I'm actually four weeks through. So I pretty much ran, I'm running the Mac, uh, the Mall Med protocol from nice. the first paper. I just finished week four last week. I'm actually deloading this week. I'm heading to the red on third Friday, so resting a little bit more this week. But um, my I retested my hangs on the last, the first day of last week, and I made a twenty pound increase from my first tested measure. So almost, nice. almost one hundred and fifty percent of my original measure, and my fingers feel great. I don't have the knuckle issue I'm dealing with. Um, so yeah, I'm psyched. I'll probably run the medium edge or minimum edge program or the second four week block when I get back from the red, and maybe we'll play with the uh, int int group next. Yeah, so I like that. Some climbing goals, so and I hate repeaters, and I'm not good at them, so that's probably why, <laughs> probably what I need to do. Yeah, it's a pretty low volume repeater, though, like you yep. said. So I like that about it. Yeah, I'm probably going to export. Um, yeah, you know, I've been, I've been adding in the the mall to med protocol again. You know, something I've used um, quite a bit, and. As a coach, I think it's tough to not fall into the trap of like, I, I want to do something different. You know, I want to mm-hmm. do a new thing. And and I think hangboarding, almost no matter how you do it, as long as you're um, adjusting the load correctly, as long as you're not going overboard, you're going to see some gains. Um, so I've been using a lot of protocols, but recently I have been going back to programming more of the mall to med sort of a protocol. Um, so I always find it funny how you do research and all that stuff just starts to kind of pop up in your programming book. <laughs> you kind of like rediscover yeah. things. So we have a few clients at Crux who are following maybe not exactly this protocol, but we're using those elements of the set progression and keeping the volume really low, which actually is great for right now because we're rolling into a beautiful climbing season in Chattanooga. So we're able to yeah. keep training and people are feeling great on the weekend. So I'm, I'm a believer. I'm sold. Yeah. And, you know, I'll say this for the last time in this season, and I'm sure I'll say it a bunch of times next season. Um, this is how science should work. You know, these, these deep dives, I need to Photoshop an image of Ava with goggles and an air tank and, you know, deep diving into the finger strength rabbit hole. Um, But this is how I like it to work. And maybe in season two, we take a look at some other deep dives or at some point we, we go down a big rabbit hole, a whole season, you know, of just down a rabbit hole of something that could be really fun to do. Um, So for me, this is a, a big win for science. And, you know, even if, even if one of the, the things we expected to happen didn't happen, that doesn't make it an unsuccessful paper. I think that's important to keep in mind. Yes, science. So uh, you can find both Paul and I all over the internet by following the links right there in your show notes. You can find Paul at his gym, Crux Conditioning in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Definitely stop in and say hello. It's winter time when you're hearing this. Temps are good in Chattanooga. Um, if you have questions, comments, or papers you'd like for us to take a look at for next season, hit us up 
at community.powercompanyclimbing.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the show, leave us a review, and please, just like in episode one, tell all of your ridiculous friends who still claim that they know the best hangboard protocol that you have the perfect podcast for them. In fact, just grab their damn phone and subscribe them. And maybe it'll just start playing the next time they get in their new fancy truck that just reads that your phone's in the car. And uh, (laughs) we will see you next week when uh, actually we won't see you next week. This was it. It's it. Done. (laughs) However, we'll be back in a few weeks with a few short bonus Better Call Paul episodes answering some of the common questions we know you're dying to know the answers to. And maybe, just maybe... We'll come back with a few special guests. Thanks, y'all. This has been great. Can't wait to keep it rolling. $600. the rest. Rest of what? Half your money's mine. You owe 50-50 partners. That's our business model. Meaning what exactly? That I suffer for your carelessness? You're the one who wanted to work with Tuco. Okay, the work with that. None of this would have happened. Breaking Beta is brought to you by Power Company Climbing and Crux Conditioning and is a proud member of the Plug Tone Audio Collective. For transcripts, citations, and more, visit powercompanyclimbing.com slash breaking beta. Let's not get lost in the who, what, and whens. The point is, we did our due diligence. Our music, including our theme song, Tumbleweed, is from legendary South Dakota band, Riff Lord. This is it. This is how it ends.
Tornado. Tornado.